Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest show on And welcome back, everyone, to an all-new episode of Talking Terror. I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this Thanksgiving Eve episode where we will not be joined by either the ghoul or the doc, of course, because Thanksgiving's tomorrow. They have things to do. I don't, so that's why I'm here. But I'm also joined by the Mad Monkey, who I'll introduce in just a second. But tonight we're going to be talking about the 1987 John Grismer film, Blood Rage, also known as Slasher, also known as Complex, also known as Nightmare Shadow Woods. A lot of titles going on, but we're going to stick to Blood Rage. So Monkey keeps digging his dip into the uh, mashed potatoes over there, so I think he's ready to go. I told you, that's for the guests. Uh, Monkey. But King, I want to dip my balls in it. Yeah, hey there, French hands. I'm Talking Terror's Mad Monkey here bringing you a very special Thanksgiving Eve episode with the King of Horror, where we got all the fixes. We got that turkey. We got the mashed potatoes. Whether or not you want them or not, that's something else. And we got the cranberry sauce. Or is that cranberry sauce, King? I don't know. That's not cranberry sauce. (laughs) Come on. I told you to get the cranberry sauce. (laughs) But we'll get into that later. Oh, man. But, yeah, so very special episode of Just the King and I. (laughs) But I'm proud. (laughs) Just me and the monkey for tonight's episode. (laughs) Hopefully we'll be joined by the boys next week. But for tonight, grab a turkey leg, get up to the table of terror, and listen in as we talk about the movie later on for tonight. But first, as we always do, a couple things that are going on around in the world of horror. First, monkey, I'm going to give it to you because I know you have some stuff you want to talk about with The Batman. Matt Reeves coming out in 2021. What is going on in that universe? (laughs) Well, you're the one that brought this up to me to begin with. It's the new Matt Reeves, you know, idea of the Batman. And you told me about the idea of doing a whole rogues gallery thing that they want to do. But Mm -hmm. then also found out um, because you and I have talked about where we think this could work. And it seems like they are possibly going in the, the direction that we talked about because I read an article that was posted up on the Talking Terror page where they are pl- definitely planning on doing some scenes in Arkham. And mm. this is something that you, you and I talked about heavy was if they're yeah. going to do a, um, a heavy villain-laden film, you, you know, well, we, uh, your, you know, both of our premise was we've got to skip all the origin stories. <laughs> forget all of the origin stories. You know, we know how Batman becomes the Batman. You know, we know about his parents getting shot in Crime Alley and the pearls falling to the street, you know, after they're coming out of Zorro. You know, we know it. It doesn't need to be done. Um, And I think we can very well skip the intros of all of these characters, you know, and like, like you said, King, just drop them into this world of Gotham. Well, I completely agree. I think why not? I think it's a bold move, but I think it's one that could have a payoff, especially because Matt Reeves is potentially opening this whole thing up to 
a rogues gallery type of Arkham, different movies for different villains and having their stories be told and not just have it be a Batman movie. I'm in for that, but I don't need complete origins. I already know where these characters come from. Maybe for the ones that aren't as known, like we had talked about with Solomon Grundy, like Mr. Zaz, you know, have those characters have origins, but we don't need one for the Riddler. We don't really need one for Joker, obviously. We don't need one for Two-Face or, you know, give us something we haven't seen before. Some other villain in the Rose Gallery that we don't know about. Yeah, and um, I, I think if they're going to do this, you know, they definitely nailed it in the um, graphic novels and the video games of Arkham Asylum of just being thrown into that world of the rogues gallery and just having to go up against all these people all at the same time. Um, uh, I also read that I don't know if the new Batman film is going to go this direction, but um, the Birds of Prey, which is also supposed to tie into the possibly this new world of Batman, um, right. and the new Suicide Squad film, are now, because of the success of the Joker, now going to be R-rated movies as well. So both of those are going to be R-rated. Um, and the people that are in charge as far as the um, new executives at New Line and the new president of DC Films are all about um, bringing horror and a darker edge to DC Universe because these are also the people that were um, – the powerhouses behind it and the conjuring. So they definitely know what the draw of horror and R ratings can be for these kind of movies. But mm-hmm. like, again, you know, you, you know, I'm just hoping they go this way of a darker Batman universe, you know, definitely just dropping us right into Gotham, you know, just because they're talking about not only this movie, they're also talking about a million spinoffs that are supposed to be coming out of this new universe. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they have a lot of ideas. I mean, they're hedging a lot of their bets on these movies that are upcoming. But like you said, it's a great point that you brought up about the R-rated movies that DC wants to do. And I think I'm, I'm for that because that argument's always been made, that Marvel is more for the kids. It's more for the little ones. You know, they can enjoy Iron Man and Captain America and the Hulk and have a good time. DC should be a little edgier. DC should be a little bit darker. Should be for a little bit more of the grown crowd. Agreed, because um, back in the day, we you know we're talking eighties. Yeah, yeah. DC was DC was the first one to take that route with comic books and take main titles and then spin them off with the Vertigo universe, the um, alternate graphic novels that weren't tied into you know the, the greater things, but they had their spin-off graphic novels, especially some of the dark stuff. That no pun intended. That came out of the Batman graphic novels. You know, when we talk about, um, you know, Dark Knight, the um, the Killing Joke, that kind of stuff. You know, at its time, really, really extreme stuff. Yeah, I mean, there was that one uh, comic book series where he became an actual bat for a while, where he was an actual bat. You know, mm-hmm. just terrorizing Gotham. Yeah. There's also Batman Metal. Where was the alternate universe for Batman, which is completely oh, dark that's and right. twisted. Yeah. <laughs> like the ghoul's favorite yeah. line of mine, too, uh, Batman Metal. What? <laughs> Batman Metal. Batman Metal, because it was just so dark and so out there. You know, it's just like taking <laughs> the stuff that you know and twisting it in a certain way where it made it mm-hmm. cool. I mean, you had the Batman mm-hmm. mask with the spikes over the eyes and shit like that. I mean, it was crazy what they were doing with that, but that's what they should be doing. Go dark, go edgy, go R, you know, leave it, you know, and I think he's successful. Don't do what he did with Justice League. 
Don't yeah. do Bat v Superman again because mm-hmm. those movies weren't good. Yeah. Now, now I'll stick with you know if you want to sit there and you know do this new Matt Reeves Batman movie, you know, and you want to sit there <clears> and do the whole Rogues Gallery, I'm fine with a heavy, heavy PG-13, um, just in case you've got those parents that you still want to sit there and you know take their kids to a Batman movie, even though it's going to be all kinds of messed up, which is what I'm hoping we're going to get, you know, in this new direction of Batman. But we'll see. You know, we're just going to have to see what comes out, man. I'm looking forward to it, seeing what they do. You know, and, and like we talked about, Mark, Matt Reeves seems to have his heart in the right place with his casting choices and what he wants to do. It's just, again, you hope that it's not too much at one time. You know, you don't want another Spider-Man 3 situation, you know, where it's just uh, it's yeah. too much at one time and not very good. Absolutely. It's, you know, just because there have been a million jokes and a million memes out there is to make a solid comic book movie. You have one hero, one villain, and then <laughs> you can keep a decent story going on. The more villains you add, the thinner and thinner the storyline gets, and it just becomes a big, long commercial for toys. You know, And I'm hoping mm-hmm. we're just not going to go that way. But, you know, that's, that's pretty much what I got to say about the Batman. <laughs> well, and it's interesting, I am like Batman. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too sexy, too sexy. <laughs> that, that's for 2021. Um, so no, that's, no, that's you, when you have uh, tattoos to play, play Batman. <laughs> I am the Batman. Hervé <laughs> <laughs> Villachez is Batman? I'd see that movie in a second. I am the Batman. Or you get, or you get Peter Dinklage or somebody to play Batman. I'd be in for that. Like, why is this so small? But this is great. Like, somehow this is gonna work. <laughs> you know, little Batman. You know, it could be a whole new movie line. <laughs> you know, fighting actual adult people. <laughs> you know, little and, and Batman. No, and, no, and no, we're not talking about Batmite. Oh, but uh, no. that reminds no. me. I, fi- uh, I, f- I finally did get a chance to check out the. Um, uh, since you brought it up last week, I got a chance to check out the two trailers that are out now for Fantasy Island, and okay. man, that's man, that thing looks messed up. Oh man, <laughs> it doesn't it though? Like it's just them taking that in such a twisted, weird direction. Um, you know, Michael Rooker finally appeared in the international trailers, but I like what they're doing. It's kind of like a weird mix of Cabin in the Woods meets kind of like a trap type movie, like Saw. I mean, it's good. I mean, and uh, yeah. how did it come out on Valentine's Day? Like, okay, yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's 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 looking like those movies that's gonna have a really strong, um, mess, you know, like happy, happy uh, opening, and it's gonna so- slowly take this weird ass dark Willy Wonka ride, you know, <laughs> down the rabbit hole, and it's gonna be a really messed up ride. But if you have, for the, for those of you listening at home, um, again. Um, the King of Heart uh, put list uh, posts about these trailers on the Talking Terror page, and if you have not t- had a chance to see them, check them out. They're pretty damn cool. <laughs> yeah, they are there, both the international and the domestic trailers. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. As much as I'm excited for Black Christmas coming out next month, on Friday the 13th of all uh, holidays for it to come out on. I know a lot of people are kind of not happy about it because it's using the uh, Black Christmas kind of brand and it's not having anything to do with Black Christmas. Um, Sophia Takal, who directed the movie, basically did an interview where she said, this isn't Black Christmas the way that you know it. Um, This is going to be more so a feminist-type movie. So if you're not into that, you're probably not going to be into this movie. 
I am. I, I can't wait to see what they come up with. Mm-hmm. Where they're just going to take the spirit of the movie and make this into their own okay. thing. So. Okay, but you say feminist movie, so are we talking about we're doing like another gender swap, you know, that's been so popular for no. the past couple of years? No. No gender swap. None at all. Like they're taking the the feeling is what Sophia DeCall said of Black Christmas. You know, the feeling of dread that there's somebody in the house, you don't know who you can trust, that type of thing. And then taking that idea and putting it into a new story, but using the Black Christmas as the title. Um, so it's no gender oh, swap. Okay. You know, Billy's not going to be a woman all of a sudden. Nothing like that, you know. Um, it's going to be its own thing, just using that title. And I like that idea, you know, because I think, why not? You know, I mean, in this day and age, why not have a, a feminine-driven movie? But people are like, oh, no, it's going to suck. You know, I was like, well, give it a fucking chance. Yeah, yeah well, like well, like we talked about last week, you know, you and the goal have mentioned that we've already had someone actually try and, you know, actually redo Black Christmas. You know, and it was heavy. It was you know hardcore. It was not and, good. You know, all, all all in a million directions at the same time. You know, but this one is just they're just. But at, you know they're taking this and making it their own project. But do you think they had to sit there and borrow the name King? No, they could have called it anything. But I think again they're trying to capitalize on that title. I mean, a couple of years ago, I want to say 2006, there was a movie that came out called Prom Night that had nothing to do with Prom Night in any shape, way, shape, or form. It was its own thing. Um, it was its own movie. Brittany Snow was in it. Jonathan Schick from uh, uh, That Thing You Do played the killer. They just used the title because they knew that was what was going to get people into the theater. If we call it something oh, that people okay. know, horror fans know, they'll come and see this movie. That movie is terrible, and I wouldn't recommend it at all. <laughs> but, but it's there for those that want it. You know, And I'm sure teens liked it, but as a prom night fan... You know, it just it was not what I was hoping for. It was its own thing. They could have called it anything, but they decided to call it prom right. night just to get people in the seats. Well, yeah, you know, especially you know when I took you to prom and we just there and did that, you know, <laughs> um, double feature, you know, uh, of of the movies. You know, the prom night movies are just so much fun. You know, they are definitely their own thing, and it's just if you're gonna sit there and use the tagline of prom night, you, you know, you kind of go gotta go that way. Yeah, you do. And but, but again, again, though, Prom Night versus Prom Night 2, Hello, Mary Lou, they're completely different movies. The only thing that's connecting oh, with yeah. those movies is the high school, Hamilton High. Other than that, it's yeah. a complete ghost possession movie with Michael Ironside as the principal. It has nothing to do yeah. with the original Prom Night. But yeah. it's a good movie. It's fun. <laughs> you know, it's a fun movie, yeah. though. I mean, I give it that much, you know. Yeah. It's not trying to be Prom Night 1. It's just trying to do its own thing. So yeah. in that case, I, I kind of give it credence. Yeah. I mean, there was two others after that that are complete trash. <laughs> but at least yeah. that second one is great. Mm. But, uh, again, because I've not seen the Black Christmas and stuff, do you, th- do you think the name Black Christmas is going to have enough of a draw on the horror fans and then um, – on the non-horror fans, like you know, all, all of the newbies who d- have not seen it, to be able to get them into the theaters. I'm kind of hoping, only because of the different direction they're going in. But again, like the Ghoul and I had talked about not that long ago about trailers, they've released trailers for this movie coming out next month that completely reveal what's going on in the movie. So when you see these trailers, oh. they ruin the surprises. So you're seeing it, and you're like, okay, what am I going to see? And then they show you what's going on. And you're like, all right, well now it's ruined. So now I know what it is. I know what I'm going into. 
So the movie could be good, but you gave us a trailer that gave away way too much. And that's uh, what I have a problem okay. with. Not the subject matter. I don't care the fact that it was written by a woman, directed by a woman, all-female cast. I love it. I'm in it. But I don't like the fact that you give us a trailer that reveals almost everything. Give me something to get excited for. Give me a secret. Right. Yeah. Give, give us hints. Don't, 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 don't give us the answers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and they give you everything, and that's unfortunately what they did. So I know a lot of people were upset about that. But I'm still hoping that it does pretty well. I'm hoping that it's fun. I'm hoping people go see it because Black Christmas, it can't be any worse than 2006. I mean, that movie was such a tragic example of me excitedly. I remember this. Back in 2006, I went to go see it on Christmas Day, December 25th, 2006, the movie opened, and I was in the theater with no one else. I was by myself. And I was like, well, I don't like Christmas anyway, so it's not a big deal. But I was like, this isn't good. I'm the only one in the theater. And, yeah, the movie played out. And I was like, what the hell was that? That was terrible. <laughs> it just didn't make any sense. It wasn't scary. It was kind of gory. But it just it didn't have what I wanted it to have. And so I was disappointed. So when I heard that they were doing this new Black Christmas, and they're just going to use the title and use the atmosphere of the original, I was like, all right, that's fun. Let's do that. And let's see where we end up. Right. So we'll see what happens cool. uh, next month. I'm definitely planning yeah. to go and see it. So. Well, of course you um, are. <laughs> so getting into some things that I wanted to talk about for horror news. So Black Friday is this Friday. I know a lot of people are going to be out shopping either online or in the stores. Um, but if you're deciding you want to stay home and just kind of hang out and watch horror movies, I might want to point you in the direction of ShoutFactoryTV.com, which is going to be oh, showing going a 24-hour – yeah, I am. They're going to be showing a 24-hour marathon of the Jim Wynorski 80s classic shopping mall. Starting at midnight tonight all the way until midnight on Saturday, they're going to be showing shopping mall to get you in those moods to go shopping at the mall, avoid those killer robots. Um, I, I just I, – when I, I saw that news, awesome. I couldn't wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shopping Mall is one of my favorite movies of the 80s, just because it's taking the slasher genre and moving into the robotic-centric uh, era, and it's it's so fun. I don't know if you've ever seen Shopping Mall, but I love it. I I have not yet. It's one of those ones that I want to see just because you, you know how much I love both horror and sci-fi, and especially bad horror and sci-fi at the same time. It's like, oh, oh mm-hmm. hell yeah. It's like, because like, I don't know if you remember that really bad 80s movie, Heartbeats. <laughs> Oh, what Andy Kaufman? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. So I remember Harpy. So like, uh, yeah. So I remember like, you know, walking around and seeing Chopping Mall both in the sci-fi section and the horror section. You know, right next, you know, right around Heartbeats. And I was like, what the hell is this messed up thing? You know, and I was like, oh man, I'm gonna have to check this out one day. And it's got the great cover of the ripped-up shopping bag with all the body parts in it and the robot hand holding it. Like, such yeah. a great way to advertise that movie. Like, it makes you think, what the fuck am I going to see? Like, what is this movie? And it is just, it's got Linnea Quigley, it's got killer robots, it's got nudity, it's got head explosions. There's so oh, much Linnea good. Qu- Quigley's in it? Yes, she is. Oh, is she doing a workout? <laughs> Not doing a workout, but she is escaping robots. And there's also Kelly Maroney from uh, uh, Night of the Comet. She's also in the movie and playing oh, a good role. Oh, okay. So we, Mary Warnoff is also winning from Rock and Roll High School. She has a bit part. So 
it's definitely just a very cheesy kind of campy movie, but it's just so much fun. It's one of those popcorn movies. So the fact that they're doing a 24-hour marathon for Black Friday, I was like, that's perfect because it's so much better than the Christmas yeah. Story marathon that's on TBS every year. I'd rather watch oh, 24 hours. Yeah, it's 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 either that or on USA they run the um the they run Star Star Wars marathon. <laughs> I never got that. Why they felt the need that every year at Christmas time they have to run Star Wars. Like, is there anything Christmas related uh, in Star Wars? Um, I mean, if you want to sit there and go all the way back to episode one about Anakin Skywalker being that of Immaculate Conception because there was no father, but that was but USA started doing that long before episode one showed up. USA started doing that back in I wanna say ninety three. Because uh, I remember working okay. as, as a chef at a restaurant, and we had a big ass buffet out for Thanksgiving. I had to be one of the chefs working the floor, you know, doing carving station and stuff like that. And I kept getting distracted because at the TV on the bar, they kept playing the Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you get distracted from doing your job. You have to watch what movie they're at. I'm like, oh, they're at episode two. Great. Or yeah. episode five, whatever it is. Yeah, it, it's okay that you don't know it, <laughs> but yeah, I knew exactly I where the scenes were, and I, and I was and I was always so mad that they wouldn't let me work the bar so I could at least be there by the TV. But oh well. <laughs> well, you'd end up getting so distracted anyway; you wouldn't be paying attention to customers. Like, Shh, this is the part where that guy does that thing. I can't work right now. It's like a five-minute long scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'm watching. No, I, I, not like I, I've no, never seen no, it before. I'd be that, no, I'd be that annoying asshole that's quoting the the movie the entire time. <laughs> Trying not to cry during certain sequences. No, because that's no, because that's one of my birthday traditions. Is during the birthday I run the gauntlet and watch the original three Star Wars movies back to back to back to back while while drinking the entire time. So yeah. Well, shouldn't the gauntlet be all six? I mean, isn't that the real gauntlet? Uh, I prefer not to acknowledge um, <laughs> the other one. <laughs> well, I was going to say for the gauntlet, that's really the gauntlet. I mean, that's yeah. running it. If you really want to do it, you got to do all six. The, the, no, the gauntlet would be all nine plus um, uh, uh, the, the other two spinoff Star Wars movies as well. So you're talking about eleven Star Wars movies. <laughs> oh, you could do that. <laughs> Oh yeah! Um, oh yeah! Eleven Star Wars movies. No sleep, but constant beer and alcohol. Yeah. Okay. What's wrong with Moving that? On. That sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something I wanted to bring up during horror news before we run short and get into the movie. I know we got plenty of time, uh, but David Tennant, who is one of my favorite doctors, uh, aside from Tom Baker, I don't know about you, uh, Monkey, but he's definitely one of my favorites. Um, uh, my, mine was Eccleston, just because he's the one that got me into Doctor Who. But we won't go into that. What, what do you? Okay. I was hoping you were going to get it. I was hoping you were going to get into this. Okay, let's. let's well, I wanted to get into it. Go ahead. Because I'm a huge fan of David Tennant on Doctor Who, and I also loved him on Jessica Jones as the villain. But he's going to be playing the serial killer, a Scottish serial killer, I should say, Dennis Nilsson, in a three-part miniseries called Ness. Uh, I don't know what network is going to be picking it up. I just know that this is in production now. Um, and he looks strikingly so much like Dennis Nilsson. It's kind of crazy to think about. Um, and for those oh, of you who do not know who Dennis Nilsson was, he was a Scottish serial killer in London, and he was operating between 1978 and 1983. He murdered between 12 and 15 young men. 
in various different houses in London. And he dispatched them in various ways, whether it was chopping them up and flushing them in the toilet, whether it was disposing of their body parts behind the houses. He had a big thing that he was involved with, which was just basically breaking open the bodies and getting out their different organs, having sex with the bodies afterwards, uh, masturbating the pictures that he had taken of these bodies after they had been killed. He's a nasty, nasty guy. Um, who passed away in, in May of 2018 from uh, complications to a blood clot. But he is a horrific serial killer in the U.K. tradition. Okay, okay. so wait, wait, wait. So he uh, – okay, so I'm taking then I guess they don't have the death penalty in England? I should know this, <laughs> but I don't. I, I guess they don't. Um, if you're saying like uh, – In this case, no, they, they, they sentenced him, uh, but he was not put on death row, no. He was he was convicted oh. of the murders and sentenced to in prison, so he wasn't put on death row. I, I don't know if they have death row. Um, maybe they don't. Uh, I just know that yeah. he was put in prison yeah. for the uh, the Muswell Hill murder, as he was called. He was put into uh, Muswell Hill District Prison, and where he died of, okay. of complications due to a blood clot. But he was just a nasty, nasty person who was smart enough to have different houses where he could commit these murders. And he would basically bring these people to his house with promises of drugs, promises of alcohol. He would seduce them and then murder them and then just dispatch of their body parts in different places so that he could never really be caught. So David Tennant playing that character, it's a dark turn for him. I, I can't wait to see what he can do, but um, it's definitely a dark, dark person. Well, you're saying dark turn for Tennant, though. It's like, but, you, you know, you, you just brought up, you know, the uh, powers – show that he was on and you know he Jessica was on that yeah. show yeah sorry Jessica. he was but this sorry. is a different kind um, of dark you're playing a realistic killer you yeah. know in this one yeah and uh that's the thing about tenant that people don't know is yeah he can go fucking dark man it's like you know people know him as the cherry doctor and stuff like that you know he was great as that cherry doctor but yeah he can definitely do serious roles as well i mean because i've actually yeah. um i've actually seen his um, you know, bits of Shakespeare that he's done. He's great at it. Mm-hmm. Um, he was yeah. he was awesome as a he was awesome as a detective in the series called Blackpool, which was weird heard because they mixed a lot of yeah they mixed a lot of eighties um mu- music into the series. So it was kind of there were moments where it was like a walking talking music video. Um, mm-hmm. And then after Doctor Who, he did another. Uh, series. Unfortunately, I cannot recall the name of it, but it was a detective series, and he was, you know, supposed to be teamed up, and it was, you know, like buddy cop kind of thing, and he was the very, very serious one about very, very serious investigation going on. So, yeah, he can do serious. You know, he, you know, for those of you not, you know, actually had a chance to check out his full spectrum of acting, you know, he can definitely pull this off, and I'm looking. I I am really looking forward to seeing Tennant go to a new level with his acting on this one. And yeah, if you get a chance to check out the mugshot that they use for David Tennant as a promo shot versus what he actually looks like, Dennis Nilsson, it's almost like Zac Efron when he played Ted Bundy. It's like they are so ridiculously similar that it's like you just you can't wait to see what they do. I'm just hoping that they do better than what they did with uh, Zac Efron mm. and Ted Bundy film. Because that movie was just yeah. garbage. Like, it was just, it was stupid. It wasn't good, you know, and, and I'm hoping that they do better yeah. with Milton. 
Yeah, because I saw the article that you put up on the Talking Terror page where it it has the included mugshot, you know, of Tenet. You know, unfortunately, we don't have a comparative shot on our post there, but um, right. yeah, I, I saw that. And you're saying though, looks wise, he he definitely nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. Just the, the the way that he wears his glasses, the way that he has his hair, it's just a striking resemblance. I mean, if you go on the Wikipedia and type in Dennis Nilsson, you could see the mugshot that they use for David Tennant uh, doing the uh, promo shot. And it's just uncanny how much they look similar. And, yeah, like you had said, Tennant is great. He could do drama. He could do comedy. But this is a whole different beast. I mean, I wonder how far they're going to go and showing you how depraved that he was. I mean, this is a guy that not only dissected his victims, but would keep them for days at a time in his places and dress them and bathe them and kind of treat them like they were still living. So I'm looking forward to seeing how dark they can really go. If they're going to shy away or they're going to give you the whole thing. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, it's like, we're, we're going to have to just watch it and check this out. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, moving on, we do have an update on Friday the 13th, the lawsuit, the ongoing saga. As it were. Oh, yay. So we finally have a brand new update. Uh, so apparently uh, the update that had been posted uh, this past Sunday is that there's going to be oral arguments taking place the week of February 14, 2020, where both sides, Cunningham and Horror Inc. and Victor Miller are going to be able to kind of basically give both of their sides of the argument about who should have the property of Friday the 13th, you know, who is the rightful owner of it. And we could see a decision as early as June 2020. So this isn't saying that we're going to get a brand new Friday the 13th movie anytime next year or anytime in 2021 or no. even 2022. But this is something that's moving forward, and we could finally get some fucking resolution where it just ends, and we finally know who owns it and how do we get another Jason movie. Okay, but you, are you saying that this one, they are sitting there, you know, courts are finally saying, you need to put this to rest. You know, we're tired of this yes. bullshit and the back and forth. Yeah. And the courts, the courts are actually forcing them to be to come to a decision. This is exactly right. Yeah, that the second court of appeals in Los Angeles is basically saying enough, enough, enough. Let's finally get everybody together for oral arguments, and the judge is going to make a decision, and he's going to make an ultimate rule, and that's going to be the decision that he sticks with, or she, whoever the judge. And that's how we know that out there, they're Friday the 13th fans, because they're saying, enough of this bullshit, get your asses to court, we're going <laughs> to yeah. settle this, because we need some new fucking properties, okay? And we're tired of mom and dad fighting over this shit, because my, my yeah. kids want some new fucking Friday the 13th shit, and you kids are dragging your asses, so let's get, the, let's get into court, and let's settle this shit, motherfuckers. <laughs> Well, whether it's the courts, whether it's the lawyers, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's, they didn't say whether or not it was the courts pushing it, whether it was the lawyers that are pushing it, but somebody's pushing it and saying that we need to get an ultimate resolution going where we could just end this. Put it to right. bed and get it behind us. You know, Victor, you're going to be the winner. Sean, you'll be the winner. Who knows? But the oral arguments are going to take place beginning of uh, middle of February next year. Yeah. And we might finally get some kind yeah. of conclusion to this whole bullshit that's been going on for, I feel like, 15 years yeah. now. I mean, it's been going yeah, way too long. Well, especially because, like, within the past six months, um, you've been putting up posts on the Talking Terror page about th- all these projects. Um, 
you know, not, not just film projects, but especially a ton of projects by NCA of things that they had in the works that unfortunately mm-hmm. have been completely canned, uh, you know, were completely canned because lawsuits wouldn't allow anything to come out. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and NECA, they were planning this, like, whole big, like, ultimate Jason collection package of, like, different figures, you know, celebrating all the years of Jason. And people were asking about it, and they keep saying, well, we can't do anything until the lawsuit settled. So that's on hold. So we can't mm-hmm. really move forward. So with this finally yeah. probably being settled, it just depends on where it goes, which mm-hmm. direction it goes in. I mean, if it goes in Victor Miller's direction, we might never mm-hmm. get to see this. Yeah, this is true. Um, because the latest one I thought you, uh, you they put up was NCA had put up one of Jason's mom, um, and yep. unfortunately it was an, it was another crappy one of NCA. If you're listening, stop doing fucking <laughs> figures with cloth clothing. Oh, hate it. Mold. Hate it. Mold your shit. Paint your shit accordingly. Okay. Stop doing shit where it looks like you know you fucking knitted it at home. Had your grandma crochet the shit. You know. For, yep. for Jason Voorhees' mom, and just sculpt the shit. All right, we don't want cloth figures. We want figures that look like the fucking movies, not paper cutouts. And cut the out. sculpt, the sculpt of the Friday Thirteenth Pamela Voorhees Lady in the Lake, it looks good. But again, like oh, you had said, yeah. Lucky, it's a cloth figure, so it's oversized sweater, oversized pants. Like, why can't you just make a mm. fucking mold? Why do you gotta make them fucking cloth all the time? They just don't look good on a shelf. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Cu- cu- no, because you're absolutely right. Like as far as um hands, feet, and then the faces, NECA is doing a great job on their faces for these figures yeah. that's coming out with. But the cloth completely gets lost because it doesn't fold right with the figure. It doesn't move right with the figure, and it just looks like I have a still shot of an uh from an episode of Robot Chicken. Instead of a collectible yes. figure yep. that I want on my shelf. <laughs> yeah, that I want to display and show off. Yeah, it looks like Robot Chicken did it, which is a great analogy. Um, but going away from Friday the 13th to A Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, it just came out a week or so ago that the estate of Wes Craven has the U.S. rights to A Nightmare on Elm Street. So they are starting to take pitches now from directors and writers on whether or not how to move forward with a Nightmare on Elm Street. Not the whole series, just that first one that Wes Craven did. So there's speculation that there might be an HBO Max series that's a streaming service. They might be doing another movie. So a lot of directors are coming out of the woodwork to pitch their movies. So Mike Flanagan, who just did Dr. Sleep, he's pitching an idea that he wants to get heard by the estate of Wes Craven. Uh, Elijah Wood and Brandon Noah of SpectreVision, they have an idea that they want to pitch. So they are taking submissions from directors and writers. Because they want to make okay. another Freddy movie. Um, what's the thing about Elijah Wood? Uh, if you don't mind me asking, I, I'm completely lost here. Well, Elijah Wood and Brandon Noah, they are founders of SpectreVision, which is a production company, and they've released a couple of horror films, A uh, Girl Walks in One at Night. They did the Maniac remake. Uh, they did Mandy. Uh, so they're a production company, and they have a pitch that they want to make for A Nightmare on Elm Street. They want to make a movie. And they have a pitch that they want to get out to the estate of Wes Craven. Because I don't know if you knew this, Monkey, Elijah Wood is a huge horror fanatic. He loves horror movies. Uh, like, he no, loved them uh, no, for a I, long time. Yeah, I was completely blown away by this. Yeah, I was just like, what are you talking about Elijah Wood? You know, what, what, what the hell does Frodo have to do with any of this? <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, if, if, if you know you've seen Mandy, I know you don't like it, but his production company was behind it. His production company was behind the Maniac. Oh, remake. okay. Uh, they were behind a girl walks alone at night. They've been behind a lot of different projects because Elijah Wood mm. loves horror and he wanted to do something with that love and he mm. created the production company called Spectre Video. So he okay, he has so, a, a um, podcast now. I don't know what the name of it is, but he talked about it where he wants to do a Nightmare on Elm Street. All right, and you're saying the uh, West Craven Estate only has rights to the first movie? They only have rights to the first one and the the U.S. rights. And, New Line Cinema has the rights to domestic. Or to international, rather, I should say. Uh, international, okay. So, uh, all right. So, oh man. But at the same time, though, this is sounding awesome. this is sounding awful lot like uh, Friday Thirteenth, man. It's 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 not it as complicated. Like, uh, not as complicated. Okay, I will but say that. Still, we're talking it's about. Not as complicated. We're still talking. About, we're but we are still talking about U.S. rights versus international rights, and then the, right. you know if the. If Craven's Estate picks this up and wants us there and run with U.S., if they want to do it internationally, then that means they would have to go through New Line, right? Yeah, they would have to strike a deal with New Line, which I don't think uh, is going to okay. be as complicated as Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th is okay. a whole mess. I mean, we know that. But I feel like the estate right. having the U.S. rights to A Nightmare on Elm Street, that very first one from 84, they could very well strike a deal with New Line to say, listen, let's come together Let's work on a deal so we can get international rights as well for a movie or a series or whatever they come up mm. with. I don't think it's going to be as complicated or as messy as Friday the 13th. Right. Now, that being said, though, do you think this would be the way things have been as far as, like, uh, returns with movies? Because the goal, you know, last week it brought up a really good point about, you know, movies just really aren't bringing it in unless you really, really fucking got your project nailed down. And more and more people are sitting there watching stuff on streaming. Um, we they tried it before, but it you know we were there in the nineties. Um, <laughs> but possibly a new Freddy series um, that's streaming. Do you, do you think this might be a time to try something like that versus a new film project? <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. I know that, like they had said, the rumor is that they were, might go to HBO Max, that streaming service, and pitch an idea for a Nightmare on Elm Street series. I wouldn't be opposed to that because I think it could be fun. I think it's just that there's a lot of hang-ups about a Nightmare on Elm Street because of Robert England, because of what he did with that character. Where it's, How could you replace that guy? How could you make it different? How could you make a Freddy without Robert? And they tried it back in 2010 with Jackie Earl Haley, and it just wasn't a good movie. I don't blame Jackie O'Haley for that. I just don't think that the directors had their heart in the right place with that movie. And well, the makeup was wrong, and just the, the whole attitude of Freddy was wrong. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, they just weren't fans. Yeah, and the idea of Freddy is well-established. You know, we're not talking about a blank guy in a blank mask. You know, we're not talking about Jason. Right. We're not talking about Michael. You know, we're not talking about Leatherhead. I mean, Leatherface, sorry. Um, but we're talking about a guy who actually has r- real screen personality, you know, and yeah. I think if they're going to go this route, you know, if, you know, obviously England, you know, has to retire. He's got, you know, you know, the dude's done his work, you know, l- l- let him retire. But I think mm-hmm. whatever project, whatever project decides to go this way, I think they should definitely hire England on as a serious fucking advisor, you know, and as a coach yeah. to bring on the, you know, to help. Establish the new Freddy. 
And and Robert England, in his own right, has said that he has potentially one more movie in him to play Freddy. So if the oh. script is right and he feels right, he can do another. Because he did the Goldberg spot where he played Freddy on yes. the Goldberg. Yes, and that kind of sparked him a little bit. <laughs> where he's like, you know what? Maybe I do have another one in me where I could put on the glove one more time. You know, do my ultimate send-off movie. But he has also said that if he had to pick a successor to put on the glove, he would pick Kevin Bacon. And I would not be opposed to that at all. Yeah, he said if he had uh, to pick a successor to Freddy, he would pick Kevin Bacon. Oh uh, man, like I'm tired. I'm like I'm I'm twisted on that one, man. Because it's like I'm not saying that Kevin Bacon can't act because Kevin Bacon has a like you know a, a weird ass wide spectrum of being able to be you know f- funny, romantic, you know scary as fuck, mm-hmm. you know chilling, yep. all at the same time. But I don't know if he's able to sit there and pull off what Robert England does, you know. Uh, no. And, and no. that and that being said, also Kevin Bacon is is not like he's, you know, a spring chicken either anymore. No, not at all. But I think, like you had said, that's a great point that you brought up. If they brought on Robert England as an advisor, to kind of be there to kind of tutelage the new Freddy, I think that would be the greatest thing they could possibly do, because you have the original Freddy teaching the new Freddy on how to be Freddy, how to move your body, how to act, yeah. you know, how to make the facial expressions. That would be a perfect yeah. job for England. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking so too. It's like, you know, major advisor, you know, how to cock the shoulder, you know, how to, how to strike a pose, you know, how to, you know, emphasize what part of the sentences you emphasize, you know, and, and then also that thing about how he was able to just change his pitch and tone mid-sentence and keep going, you know, and go from, you know, Joker to just fucking night, literal nightmare, you know, with just a couple changes in his tone. Mm -hmm. I I agree. Um, What's next? Okay, so there's a couple more things I want to talk about before we get into the movie because I see we have a little time. So a rumor came out today from uh, We Got This Covered, which basically hosts a bunch of rumors that are happening in Hollywood. There is a rumor that for Disney Plus, a streaming service, they are developing a PG-13 Predator series that would take place in the Predator universe featuring new characters and new stories, but it would be a PG-13 project. I really am against it because I think that Predator is a hard R, and you can't do PG-13 if you're doing Predator. And, yeah, I agree with you because um... – First of all, how the fuck does Disney have their hands on Predator? Uh, what exactly? Uh, yeah. Um, because what studio is Predator under? <laughs> that new that, that I um, don't know. So I don't that, know how Disney Plus would have gotten it. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out is how the fuck did Disney get a hold of this one? Because Disney is like this fucking weird ass Cthulhu creature now, just absorbing properties. All over the place, man. Like we're gonna put everything on fucking Disney Plus, and no, because don't I, they have I alien? Agree with like, you. Don't they have the alien series? I, I want to say that they do, but I could be wrong. Did Disney has alien? Oh, cool. Where the I fuck are you? You're the one that knows this shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course he's not here, but um, yeah, it, it, it needs to be a rated R series if you're gonna do it right. You can't make a PG-13 Predator series. No, I no, I dude, I totally agree with you, man. Because I feel the same way with Alien, and Predator, and Terminator, 
and all of them need to be rated yeah. R all the time. Um, th- these were the 80s sci-fi horror franchises that were, were part of this weird am- amalgam. And, yeah, th- that's the thing about them is while families viewed them <laughs> as a family, because that's what we did in the 80s, <laughs> they still right. need to be rated R. Oh, oh yeah, add RoboCop. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting that you brought up RoboCop because uh, last time we talked about RoboCop, RoboCop Returns, uh, Neil Blomkamp had dropped out of the project. Basically, MGM and Orion wanted it too quickly. He wasn't ready, so he dropped out. Apparently, a new director has stepped up, Abe Forsyth, who apparently did a short called Little Monsters. Uh, so he has picked up the director's spot from Neil Blomkamp to do RoboCop Returns. So we're still going to see RoboCop Returns. It's still going to be coming out. They're moving forward with that project with a new director. Yeah. I'm excited still because I would love to see what they do with a new RoboCop. Just do better than what we did with that Michael Keaton movie. Uh, I, but at the same time, I, man, I'm I, I'm sorry, man. I'm no, no pun intended again, but I'm one of the dark horses where I kind of like that movie, <laughs> man. Um, uh, the RoboCop wow, okay. remake. I, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. No, I th- I mm. thought it was. No, I'm just saying I thought it was kind of okay. It was way better than I was expecting it to be, is what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm just saying I was expecting it to be a total, total piece of shit, and they actually did a kind of okay job, except for the fact of they sit there and gave it a happy ending. You know, that, that mm-hmm. was my only major problem with that movie. Like, the rest of the movie I was fine with, um, except yeah. the fact that they tried to sit there and give it a happy ending, and it's like, Dad, you're a RoboCop, and it's like, Yes, I am, son. Twirl, twirl, twirl my gun, you know. And then, you know, and then wife, and, and then wife, yeah. And then wifey's like, You're a RoboCop. Yes, I am. Twirl, twirl, Hell twirl yeah. my gun. Wink, wink. Check out that extension you know? <laughs> I have. <laughs> I know it was so yeah, bad, just, like, you know. Uh, it's, you know, if they had not, yeah. if they had, if they had skipped that whole idea of the family and trying to bring the family into it. I would have been okay with that movie, but they they went that way, and that was the only problem I actually had with that remake. The rest of it, action wise, was great. Um, Story wise, you know, was actually okay. I just didn't like the how much they were trying to reintegrate the family, because again, I thought it was them. So they're trying to go, okay, everybody has to have a happy ending, and it's like, no, that's not Robocop. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I don't think that you could do better than the Verhoeven classic. With Clarence Boddicker, bitches come. Like you know, I mean, it's just, it's so great, you know. And yeah, Ray Wise doing coke off of strippers' asses in that movie. Like it's just a bizarre movie that it's just it's a lot of fun, and I always enjoyed it from a kid until now. I mean, the RoboCop, like we're talking about, the the modern one. Yeah, I mean, I agree with the monkey. It wasn't terrible, but it just wasn't my RoboCop. <laughs> it's just I'll stick with the Peter Weller classic. You know, over the the remake of uh, RoboCop. Oh, oh, yeah, um, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I'll definitely stick with the original. You know, yeah, <laughs> the original by far. I'm just saying, remake was better than I thought it was going to be, m- minus the lifetime moment. But that being said, mm-hmm. moving on, because yeah, I'm sure you have one more piece you want to squeeze in, Dante King. Actually, I have two, so we're going to see how quickly I can fit them in. Um, so Adam Wingard's Godzilla versus Kong. That big oh. matchup of the two Titans, King Kong versus Godzilla, we've been waiting for so eagerly. It was supposed to be released in March of next year. It got pushed back to November of next year, November 11th to be exact. 
because they want to make sure that they're delivering an A-plus product for the fans. To me, that makes me a little bit worried that what they have right now is not very good. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Monkey. Well, you know I love the big G, all right? Um, I'm a, yeah, I'm a big fan of Toho Godzilla, okay? Not American Godzilla, Toho Godzilla. All right, and I was curious if we were going this route. All right, I'm one of those people. I am not looking forward to this movie, man, in any way, shape, or form. Really? Okay. You like more of the monsters, though, right? You're taking the monsters Hold on. Hold on. No, because that – no, because here's the thing. I loved Godzilla King of the Monsters. I I (laughs) was so shocked about what a great job they did with this movie. I, I was expecting this movie to be a total piece of shit just because anytime America's gotten a hold of uh, the big G, they always fucked it up, okay? Whether yeah. it was mm-hmm. 1984, whether, whether it was 2000, all right, it, it doesn't matter. It's like anytime they got a hold of it, they messed it up, okay? Um, you know, and we're not going to include, you know, Malcolm in the Middle's dad being in a fucking Godzilla movie, for fuck's sake. All right, um... But oh, um, yeah, yeah. No, it's just. But King of the Monsters fucking nailed it. They had the feel of Toho in there throughout the entire movie, built while still building up something bigger. And I fucking loved it. King of the King of the Monsters. Oh my god! Like I like I, you know, yeah. It. it I was so impressed. Um, like I, I was like, finally, and you know, finally an American Godzilla movie. Oh my god! And they fucking got it right. But that being said, Kong. I'm sorry, I was not a fan. Kong, they fucked up. Uh, and, and here I'm gonna, and I'm gonna piss people off here because don't get me wrong, you put Samuel Samuel L. Jackson in the movie, you know, it's sure to be a hit, right? Um, no. No, this failed. Okay, we're in my fighting words. Because, yes, yes, because Samuel Jackson was great. Okay, but the movie put me to sleep four times before I could fucking finish this movie. This movie was so fucking boring, man. And <laughs> and go, while all right, go ahead, this, you're on the rant. No. Yeah, and while while I was watching this movie, it's like okay, they're gonna try and build up something bigger. They're gonna try and build up to a Godzilla thing. All right, and. I just didn't feel it, man. I didn't feel the love for Kong like, you know, well, like I did in, as if we're talking remakes, like Peter Jackson's Kong, okay? Oh, it was terrible. It was, te- it was, what, Peter Jackson? Yeah, terrible. I hated that movie. It was, but at the same time, it was more true to the original material than this thing ever was. I didn't feel like Kong Skull Island was trying to be true to the original King Kong. They were trying to do something different. That's why I liked it, because I've always been a Kong fan. I've always been a fan of King Kong. Uh, so when I saw the, the Samuel L. Jackson movie, I liked it, you know, for what it was. I mean, I you know, I had no problems with that movie. I enjoyed it. Um, and obviously, I really didn't like the Godzilla movie with Brian Cranston, Malcolm in Middle's dad, oh, because God. it killed me oh, fuck off in the no. middle of that fucking movie. <laughs> like, he's the guy that you want to follow, and they're like, no, we're going to kill him. And the fact that they showed Godzilla in fucking pitch black every fucking chance they got. Where it's yeah. like, well, I want to see the big G. Yeah. I want to see him. I mean, you know, but nope, we're going to shoot all of his fights at night. 
where you can't really see him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that works. And, and, co- and, co- and covered in smoke, you know, and smog yeah. and stuff like that. But, you know, and we know you paid 20 bucks a ticket for it, but it's okay. You know, no. And, uh, no, it's just uh, King, me personally. It's like I just, uh, with Kong, um, I felt they wrote it um, a bit too much like a Godzilla movie where they um, – do a lot. They were doing a lot, a lot of people talking it, you know, versus yeah. mm-hmm. big, big giant monster. Um, but but at the same time, not giving us any real story behind Kong, and that was my problem with Kong was we were for the scenes that we were getting, no one really fucking knew anything about it except it was a big giant monster that this, you know, that this you know rogue group wanted to shoot the fuck up with giant ass guns. That's it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, sorry, King. Go ahead. Going. No, I was just going to say with with, no. with Godzilla versus Kong, it, it, I like Adam Wingard. He he's a director that I really do appreciate. He's made a lot of good movies, from The Guest to Your Next, uh, having good parts in VHS. So when I heard the news that it's been pushed back from March to November, it made me kind of think that maybe they aren't confident in this project. Maybe it isn't what they wanted. So they release it in November at the end of the year next year where movies are kind of at the end where it's like, I don't know. It just it made me feel like they aren't confident in what he, he made. And it, it's sad because I wanted to see those two fight. I would love to see a King Kong versus Godzilla movie. And, you know, I'm hoping it's not true. I'm hoping that once we get to see it, it's still a good project. But really kind of makes me question, you know, what, what it is, you know. Go ahead. Monkey. Okay, sorry. Um, I was walking down the stairs. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> okay. I, uh, um, on the flip side, I'm perfectly fine with them pushing it back if they're not happy with what they have. All right, because I'd rather them go back, re-edit, reshoot, what they, do whatever the fuck they need to do. The thing that they have a solid project for this because <clears throat> um, we've been waiting for this specific project for a long, long time. All right, mm-hmm. uh, not 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 just kaiju fans. It's like you know, I'm not talking about Godzilla fans. There are people that I know that are not Godzilla fans, but were fucking huge fans of Skull Island. You know, and fucking right. loved that movie and wanted to see where it was gonna go. And and, mm-hmm. if they, and I'd rather they take their time and get this project right and then deliver a half-assed project. Right, and that's why I said when you push back a project, that usually means bad news. That usually means that the studio is like, ah, this isn't very good. We can't release it at the time that we wanted to release it, so we have to push it back. And there might be reshoots involved. We don't know. It just it makes you kind of worry that the project that you're going to get isn't what you want. Right, but at the same time, it could be, you know, they maybe had some secret test audiences. You know, they ran them by them, and, you know, things weren't working quite right. You know, hopefully they had, like, some hardcore kaijus, you know, fans out there. <laughs> you know, and we're <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you, know you, you, you really need to work on this and that or whatnot, you know. And, you know, it could be stuff about, you know st- – Making the story fluid because, you know, again, in King of the Monsters, they they mentioned that Kong was one of the Titans, 
you know. So yeah. you know, they 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 did bring that in there that he's part of that. But the you know, it's how are we going to wrap these two up together, make them f- somehow fight each other, uh, fight each other, even though they're both supposed to be protectors of the world. So why would these two protectors of the world be fighting each other to begin with? Turf war. There you go. <laughs> yeah, my Kong. I told you, man. <laughs> my my guy with the south side, motherfucker. No, right. no, no. You got the yeah, north side. No, I got Kong. the south side. What you doing in the yeah, north side, Kong. big yeah, man? Yeah. No, 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 no. We getting ready to go into a snap dance battle. All right, I got the jet. <laughs> I got the jet. Who you got, motherfucker? Oh, that's right. West side story all over again, bitch. I got Give Charles Barkley on my battle. side, motherfucker. Yeah, I got your key on you. What you I, gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Charles Barkley. Was it Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> We're both it might have been the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. The old Nike might have been Charles Barkley. The old Nike commercials. <laughs> yeah, could have been Sha- Shaq too. I know because Shaq did the whole thing yeah. with uh, Shaq Fu with all the monsters and shit like that. Yeah. So it could have been him too. Well, you know, at a certain point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. At a certain point, Shaq just threw his money wherever the fuck it was at. He didn't care. <laughs> no, he didn't. Um, so yeah, that, that's. I was going to get into one more, but we could just skip over it because I want to get into the movie for tonight. Uh, so we're going to be covering 1987's Blood Rage, directed by John Grismer. The story of Blood Rage is that you have two twin brothers, Terry and Todd. In 1974, they're at a drive-in movie with their mom and dad. While the mom and dad make out, Terry and Todd sneak out to walk around the drive-in and check out what's going on. They discover a man and a woman having sex in a car. Terry, grabbing an axe, dispatches of the boyfriend pretty quick, leaving the woman to run off and scream into the darkness. Terry, framing his brother Todd for the murder, gets away scot clean. We cut to 10 years later in 1984. We're now in the Shadow Woods apartment complex where Terry is living with his mother, Maddie, and the new fiancé, Brad. Todd is still in the psychiatric hospital, but he breaks up, and murders may assume, murders may happen that are going on in this movie. Is it Terry? Is it Todd? We'll find out. The only thing we know for sure is that's not cranberry sauce. So, Monkey, what did you think about Blood Rage? It's your first viewing of this, so what did you think of it? Oh, my God. All right. I'm so glad that we don't have to go on the dock here. No offense, guys, but I'm going to sit there going through this shit because... Oh, my God. Like, this has been, like, I have been researching this movie for, like, the past three years, like, for picks as far as what you should do for a, a horror Thanksgiving movie. All right. And everyone says, this is the fucking movie to do. All right. Uh, Runner-up is Home Sweet Home. But everyone says, That's a good this one. is the fucking, but everyone says, this is the fucking movie to do. And let me tell you, yes, this, in my opinion, this is definitely the fucking movie to do. It's like, if you love 80s slasher, okay, if you love movies where it, you are confused because you're not w- sure whether you're watching a horror movie or you're watching a porn because the filming is so bad and the acting is so bad, this is the movie for you. If you want a movie where they sit there and want to throw some synth 80s soundtrack in there, you know, to make you feel like it's the 80s. And by the way, I really fucking dug the soundtrack to this fucking movie. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they fucking nailed it, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> you want cameos? This movie's got cameos. Um, yeah. it's a, This movie, like, fucking nailed it, as far as I was concerned. Um, 
oh my god, this is one of those movies where it is literally so bad that it is so fucking good. Um, I'm I'm so excited that I finally had a chance to check this movie out. I King, I cannot thank you enough. Um, yeah, this this movie was just so fucking fun. <laughs> And it, it's one of those things where, you know, you hear about holiday horror movies, you think about all the Christmas ones that have come out, you think about Halloween and Trick or Treat, or Trick or Treat in the 80s, but you never really think about yep. Thanksgiving being covered. And like you had said, Home Sweet Home with Jake Steinfeld, it's in there, it's not as great as Blood Rage, but it's there. This movie just encapsulates the 80s in such a great way with the fashions, with the music by Michael uh, Einhorn. Um, it just it works in so many ways. You get a great cameo by Ted Raimi. As a condom salesman, which was his first project ever. (laughs) You're getting to see Ted Raimi for the first time act as condom guy. Man, and and it throws you off because uh, Ted Raimi looking exactly like um, the nerd from Grease. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty fucking damn near. Uh, But yeah, it's a yeah. But oh my god, this movie was so fucking fun. But yeah, it's like um, before we yeah get into anything, it's like the soundtrack. Oh, I guess we was so they're called the score. It was literally maybe two songs. Um, yeah, I really got to I really got to give it to the guys who sit there and created the synth eighty synth soundtrack. Mm-hmm. For, like for a movie of this quality, which is extremely subpar but still extremely fun. Okay, the <laughs> the synth tracks that they created were just so perfectly eighties. They they really were. Yeah. And that's Michael Einhorn who did the score. He's done a bunch of other movies, but yeah, this score is perfect for the movie. The score works where it wants to work and it plays great, you know, in the stalking sequences. Um, you know, and the fact that uh Monkey, I want you to bring this up because if you play the intro of this movie Blood Rage with a certain song, it keys up pretty well. Oh, you oh you're letting me do this. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So, all right. So, if you watch this movie, all right, because this is a movie that takes place in Jacksonville, Florida. All right. I tell it so often that it's got Jackson in the name. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you think up this movie, all right, and um, think up this movie with Bob Seger's Night Moves, all right, and put the movie on mute and watch the movie. As soon as you see on the screen where it says 1974 on the screen and start playing the movie, the song Bob Seger's Night Moves syncs up surprisingly well to the first five minutes of this movie. I, 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 for some reason, had this pop into my head. I just did it, and, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised about what happened with this. Um, and, and it creates a fun opening for this movie. Um, yeah, c- kind of like uh, when you mix up Pink Floyd, you know, with Dark Side of the Moon. I mean, uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of, of the Moon with Wizard of Oz. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I thought of this, but it just pops into my head. Like, uh, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> King, you you it, did this as well, right? I did, and it worked so well because I'm like, really, Night Moves? I mean, I like that song. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it would really fit, and I did it, and I was like, you know what? It syncs up really well with what's going on, and that, it, and the movie itself, the movie plays out like an '80s, almost like teen sex comedy, 
with what's going on in the beginning of the movie, where it's like you're at a drive-in, it's like 74, Jacksonville, you got guys getting their popcorn, you have guys making out with their chicks in the car, you have the movie playing, you know, so it's playing a lot like an 80s sex comedy, where you get to the car where Maddie is with her husband, and you have Terry and Todd sleeping in the back with a toy AK-47 <laughs> on the blanket. But you have, uh, you know, the, the mother and father making out. we all had those toys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because we all had those toys in the 80s, man. Because uh, remember, we had the uh, – because you, you grew up in the 80s. Remember, there was that I one did. specific line of, of, of water guns that was banned yep. <laughs> because they were yep. so realistic that people were using them to pick up uh, gas stations and stuff like that. <laughs> I remember it well. Which, you know? Yeah, which uh, which uh, started that whole thing of if you have a gun that looks slightly realistic, you had to put that paint the red tip or put that red cap on the end, you know, to, mm-hmm. to show that orange or red. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. But, but but before and, that, yes, we had realistic looking things. But yes, uh, Tony and t- uh, Todd's mom making out. I didn't took Terry as Todd. their dad though. I I didn't take it as their dad. Boyfriend, though, I took it as just. Yeah. yeah, I just took a def- definite boyfriend, another hookup, you know, because Terry was like, "Oh, mom's at it again," you know. Let, mm-hmm. Let's just sneak out of the let's sneak out of the station wagon because again, back back then, you know, you had big yeah. ass station wagons. You you didn't have SUVs. You had big ass station wagons where you know everyone could sleep. You know. Oh yeah, I had one when I was a kid, so I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And I drove one when I was in high yeah. school. I, yeah. You know, my parents gave me it when I, my first car was yeah. a big blue station wagon with all the seats that you can lower yeah. it back. But it's the fact that yeah. Terry and Todd wake up and they decide they're going to go around the, the drive-in and look around. And you have the couple in the back seat making out and having sex. And for some reason, Terry decides he's going to grab a hatchet and just fucking axe murder this guy in the face while his brother Todd looks on and commits the perfect fucking crime where he's got blood all over his hands. But he just takes a little bit of blood, puts it on his face, gives him the hatchet, and goes, oh, my God, Todd did this. What the fuck, dude? Oh, my God, Todd, you're a killer now. Whoa. Oh, dude. You know, like, fuck, man. Like, seriously, <laughs> within the first five minutes, I'm like, you totally fucked your brother up, man. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, like, in the first five minutes of the movie, you just framed your brother for a double murder. Oh, sorry. No, for murder. No, it's sorry. only single. That's right. Because that girl that, ran off butt-ass right. naked through the fucking crowd. That, that's <laughs> right. We're, we're big old bush just hanging down to her knees. <laughs> yeah. She just oh, took God. off. Help. help me, help me. Oh, God. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fra- fra- yeah, framing his brother. It's like, you know, and it, uh, yeah, I was just like, holy shit. I was expecting like, you know. Again, you know, we're just establishing the movie. We're only talking about the first five minutes here of this movie, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. we've got a slu- we've got a slutty mom, a dirty Italian dad, and his badass like weird ass um, polyester shirt. That seventies silk shirt. To, <laughs> yeah, try, you know, trying to fuck with the kids in the car. Kids sneak off, you know, because they got fake weapons in the car. Grabs a hatchet, kills kills a um, you know, a teenager that was you know. Somehow they got completely naked in a drive-in, and I don't know how the fuck you pull that off because I've been on lots of dates in weird ass theaters. Was, yeah, and, they were completely naked. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, good luck trying to pull that off. It's like, yeah, yeah. all right. <laughs> but still, you know, slashing through the head, 
smashing that fucking skull in with that fucking hatchet and then blaming it on the brother. And I was like, holy shit. No, you know, no character development, no nothing. Just nope. straight up, my brother's, my brother's fucked up. He just killed a bunch of people. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and Todd's just standing there, just like, huh? Okay. <laughs> you know, just, like, I got this hatchet. Yeah, whatever. Like, you know, and then we cut to 10 years later. In Jacksonville, still at the Shadow, uh, at the Shadow Woods apartment complex, where we have Maddie visiting her son in the institution, where he's being looked over uh, by the doctor in the movie, who is played by Marion Cantor, who is the producer of this movie. So yes. they couldn't get anybody but, to play that character, so they just had her in the role. No, they did get someone to play her. Actually, the thing was, but she didn't um, show up. I, yeah, she didn't show up. It was a actress from New York. They hired her, but she didn't. She was hired. Didn't bother to fucking show up. So Mary Kay was like, yeah. "I guess I'll do the role of this." Um, I, I and guess. she didn't do a bad job. Um, you know, I mean, I, I didn't mind her. You know, she actually yeah. did a pretty good job. Yeah. You know, for well, to play Doctor Berman. Uh, okay. Yeah, at the same time, it's like I, I the entire time I was laughing my fucking ass off during these things because we're having. The weird ass, um, you know, Star Trek, um, Captain's Law, the voiceover, you, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Berman's Log, what's he for? Yeah, talking about Todd. Yeah, yeah, I believe Todd has come out of a catatonic state after ten years of seeing his brother, you know, kill someone, and I believe Todd is correct. Why? I, I have no reason why. I have not talked to Todd. No. <laughs> I, I've talked to no reason. Terry, nor his mom. But I believe that Todd, after coming out of state, you know, is completely innocent for no reason whatsoever, except just to add story here. <laughs> and then you have Maddie bring him the pumpkin pie going, well, this is your favorite. Oh. She's like, yeah. She still treats him like a baby. You know, like he was back in 1974. She doesn't treat him like an adult. I'm trying to get him to be a productive citizen in the world as an adult. And then he just takes that fucking pumpkin pie and just slams it against the wall. I'm innocent. Oh. God damn it. Why won't you listen to me? I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. What you, oh, it's just because he's sitting there and he's taking the pie and he's literally smashing it in his fingers. You know, just like. <laughs> Why why does no one listen to me? Why does no one care? And throws it against the wall and I was just like, Oh, okay. All right. You are not getting the Oscar for this movie. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you know. And it it we you know, because you have the whole thing of Dr. Berman saying, I want to introduce him into real life, you know, and, and be a productive member of society, but can't do it because his mom's fucking crazy too. Like, no way. Tom's fucking crazy. He's insane. He did it. So, no way, Terry did. Terry's awesome. Um, yeah. But it leads me to talk about Mark Soper, too, which played both roles. Terry's got wings. Yes, he did. Yeah. And I yeah. was uh, – I, I just wanted uh, – sorry, King. I just wanted to say I, I was completely surprised by this when I found out it actually was one actor just because yeah. um, I, I seriously thought that they literally looked nothing alike. Um, while mm-hmm. watching the entire yeah. movie, um, I, I, like for some reason I thought the noses didn't look right. Um, the eye, the eyes right. were spot on, but for some reason I thought the the like 
the faces were completely different. Obviously, the hair was different, you know, because one has wings and the other one has a, you know, the other one has a fucking uh, perm for some reason. Um, (laughs) I seriously, I seriously thought it was two different actors, and until I was done with this movie, I seriously didn't realize that it was one actor because they, in their two reiterations, they really do look so different. Yeah. And that, I, that I, yeah, but I, which, like, to to me while I was watching it, you know, and I feel fucking stupid now going back and finding out I was the same fucking actor, you know, I was like, how the fuck do people keep thinking he's the same fucking person, you know? <laughs> then to find out it really was the same fucking person. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it goes to the credit of the actor who played both of these actors yeah. because you had Todd who is breaking out of a catatonic state. You know, trying to, you know, just basically tell everybody I'm innocent. But then, you know, Terry, who is like fucking Patrick Bateman with his pop collars and his ties. And he's like, hey, everybody, I got a hot girlfriend named Karen. And we're having Thanksgiving and everything's cool. All right. Let's go play some football. You know, know, just having a great time while his brother rocks away in a psychiatric hospital. (laughs) Yeah. and, And in retrospect, like, it makes me actually you know, give props to this actor, you know, to, to be able to pull this kind of role, you know, Mark Sofer, again, to do this, this, these two different roles in such dramatic different ways to where even I thought it was actually two different people, you know, and I was sober while watching this movie, so you can't blame it mm-hmm. on the natty yeah. daddy. All right, you know, because right. uh, I, <laughs> I can't, yeah, cause, cause, but like, like, again, it's like, not not while his acting, again, was Oscar quality, because that's not this kind of movie, is like, I, I will definitely give it to him of being able to act the range. Yeah, and then you break to Thanksgiving dinner, where the food's out, you have the turkey, you have Terry with his girlfriend Karen, they invited over Andrea, who just moved in with her her mother, uh, Beth, you know, and he's doing the little flirty thing with her a little bit, you know, winter's coming, but we'll find you something to do, you know. Well, that's that's because she she majors in partying, that's why. (laughs) I love, that's such a fucking 80s line, I loved it, when she's like, what are you majoring in? Oh, I'm majoring in psychology, what about you? I told you, I'm majoring in partying, (laughs) you know, it's like, awesome, (laughs) you know, the fact that she's like that, but. I love it that, you know, when he – when uh, Brad and Maddie announced their engagement, you could see Terry going, oh, what? Like, that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then he puts a knife in front of Brad's face, and he's like, well, you're going to have to pull your weight around here. And I'm like, okay, well, we're getting it from Terry. Because yeah. <laughs> we know – we already know that he's the killer. Yeah. So it's yeah. – you know, what, what's going to happen since, next? Since, he, since we got a new man of the house. <laughs> and plus, so I like the fact that Terry doesn't drink. <clears throat> like he drinks milk, but yeah. he doesn't drink alcohol. Like that's this whole big thing. Yeah. Like I don't drink. You know, it's a yeah, big fucking part of his character. He will drink milk. He'll drink tomato juice later. Um, but he doesn't drink, and I I enjoyed that. Of yeah, um, he doesn't let things fu- fuck with his head as far as things for later. But um, if I if I could, uh, King. Um, just because you were a we when this was being filmed, okay? And we always talk about this with certain horror movies, about how um, certain horror movies are able to be that perfect little time capsule. And, mm-hmm. 
and we have this moment of Thanksgiving dinner, and it just gave me major flashbacks to being a kid growing up and seeing all that, you know, golden, you know, the goldenrod everything because everything's fucking painted goldenrod. Uh, yeah, we had the we had the all the chairs that were at the Thanksgiving dinner were that fucking oh uh, wicker weave shit, you know. While <laughs> oh yeah, while, <laughs> yeah, while, totally. Um, yeah, um, you know, while, you know, mixing the wicker weave, you know, w- with the natural wood, you know, is a weird ass mix. It's like uh, this, uh, the the entire scene right here of the Thanksgiving dinner was a great time capsule for those of you who have not grown up in the eighties. This is what it's like growing up in the fucking 80s. This is what fucking yeah. dinner tables look like. This is what yeah. dinnerware looks like. The leaf pulled out. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, the, the, the knife that Terry pulls out and puts to his knife. I literally had that knife until five years ago. Okay. Because that's <laughs> yeah. the knife that we grew up with. You know, and um, yeah, it's just, the, you know, this is one of those things where they did a great job of encapsulating that moment of time. And if you did not grow up there, this is what it was. You know, for those of you that were white trash, <laughs> yeah, this is what it was like. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that, that also we didn't fun. mention this, the oh, fact that the movie was made in 1983 but not released until 1987. That's so right. So that was a big yeah. issue with the movie because they couldn't find distribution because they felt like it was too extreme. They felt that the gore was just too much. Yeah. And they just could not find distribution until 1987 when it got picked up and got distributed in the mm. theaters. But mm. it's still a product of its time, like you had said, the 80s, you know, with the play settings, with the knife, like, you know, the way that everything was with the wicker chairs. But I love the record scratch that we get in this movie where you have Brad <laughs> cutting the turkey and going, I got this turkey for everybody. I'm cutting it up. Everybody gets a slice. And you have the phone call that Maddie gets about how Todd has escaped the mental institution. And she calls Terry into the kitchen going, oh, my God, your brother's escaped, and, and the doctor's coming, and hopefully he's not coming here, but he might. And you get him sitting back down at the table going, well, I guess we're going to have a whole family reunion tonight because my psychotic brother just broke out of the mental institution. <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> but especially, especially because we have that perfect Jersey family moment of, okay, we're we're going to we're going into the kitchen. We're going to shut the shutters because no one can hear us when we shut the shutters when we're on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because yeah, we've all cause no. we've all been there. All right, and we're yeah, there yeah. at this moment of talk, talking on the phone with the shutters shut. No one can hear us. All right, but then we're going to come back out and be like, okay, we're not going to create any awkward moments, right? Right. Okay. Oh, oh hey, by the way, <laughs> my brother got out. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have another person joining us tonight A psychotic brother just broke out of mental institution And I love the fact that they didn't show it They didn't show how he broke out He just, he's out It's not like Halloween where it's like, okay, he planned this And he let all the people out and that's how he, No, he's just out <laughs> He's just, he's out you know? it's, it's, it's not for for this movie, it's not needed. It really isn't. Uh, you know, nope. it's he's out. He he got out. It's it's done. Um, but again, I I like the with that we have these weird ass moments. So it's like all of a sudden, you know, we have the introduction of um the proposal. <laughs> you know, the the Sunday yeah. note for some reason. But at the same time, while we sit there and 
look around in this oh so 80s apartment. We have all of these baby pictures all over the place, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, you know, and yet she has one, she has uh, you know so many of Terry, she has so many of Todd, and yet you know. <laughs> The fiance was never like, oh, who are these other kids? You know, who's this other kid? <laughs> no. Oh yeah, that's a, that's my other son, the one I didn't tell you about, the crazy one. It's like, okay, yeah, no, <laughs> no need. So yeah, once it all comes out that he's out, and they have to, you know, decide what they're gonna do. We have Doctor Berman showing up with their assistant Jackie with the tranquilizer. Oh. What's that gun? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find him. It's him. Don't it's worry. Him. I got him. I got him. That's Terry. Put the gun down. <laughs> Can't you tell the difference? That's not the twin. <laughs> okay. This fucking Jersey Shore reject is not going to know the difference. <laughs> you know. And it leads to Brad going back to his office to make some phone calls and just kind of wait to see what's going to happen next. He's got his gun. I love it when <laughs> Terry shows up <laughs> after he talks to Maddie on the phone. And he goes, don't worry, baby. I got this. I love you. I love you, too. And he hangs up. Oh, hey, Terry, who let the cat in? Who let the cat in? Wham! With the fucking machete on his hand. Clutching oh. that fucking old-style beer. And you get to see the hand clutching the beer after it falls off. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because, again, if you guys didn't know, this movie is unofficially sponsored by Old Style. Okay. (laughs) But, okay, and this is where I wanted to start and talk about special effects with this movie, okay? Because you said um, the effects were were done by Ed French, was that right? That's correct, yep. Okay. Um, This is where we first start to see, um, and this is why I love practical effects versus um, CGI effects, is because back then – you could see the love that was actually put into the project. Um, you could see mm-hmm. how how much energy energy they had actually put in. Because I mean, I, no offense, CGI has its time and its place in movies when you make it work. Okay, but right. back then you could actually see how much they were tr- like literally trying with as little dollars as they had, you know. And like I got to give it to this effects team of their budget was obviously trifling, but their love was obviously there. Of they wanted to give the gore, they wanted to give the effects. Yeah. You know they they. Yep. You know this movie definitely definitely wanted to shock the fuck out of you. Um, unfortunately, oh, yeah. they didn't have they uh they didn't have the the full budget. I'm sure they wanted. Uh, you know, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, we have this first scene of. The you know uh, the, the hand getting cut off, and then you know we have a, a wee bit of a reanimator scene coming on where you know, the hand's <laughs> cut off, but it, but it's still fully moving for some reason you know because it's, it's you know it's like you know for some reason it's like a chicken leg you know <laughs> yeah. um, still you moving know, up with, with the yeah yeah with, with the old times hands just on his hand like I I can still drink this <laughs> this is still good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you get into this period of the movie where it's like money shot city. It's like we're in this portion of the movie where it's just money shots. Like we're going to show you as many graphic deaths as we can going into the finale of this movie, and we're going to make it pay off. So it starts with Brad. Um, it leads to Jackie confronting uh, Terry on the balcony of, of the home. Oh, man, 
It's so crazy how much you like your brother. It's, 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 it's so weird. And you know I what? Go, Dr. Berman doesn't even think that he did that. <laughs> and you know what? I totally want to fuck you right now. I want you to like take all of this off. I want you to sit there and take these little titties and like do what you can with them because I got nothing. But um, like I totally want you to fuck my perfy ass right fucking now, like because I'm straight off. You want to smoke some weed, dude? Yeah. (laughs) That part was funny as shit. (laughs) Sure, man. It's crazy because Doctor Berman doesn't think that your brother did at all. He did it. And it's a great effect of him shoving that machete through his chest. It's a great effect. It's not like that old school effect where you shove it through their side and you're like, okay, clearly going through the side yeah. of that character. No, this is through the center no. of their chest. But also, um, on top of that, they didn't do a cut. You know, they, they're like, of, um, you know, showing it, you know, cut and it's done. You know, they, they're, he, you know, again, the special effects teams are actually trying to show you stuff being done. So they're showing you the blades actually going through as yeah. opposed to, you know, ju- just, you know, jab, cut shot, and blade sticking out. You know, no, right. they're, you know they're, they're, they're trying. They're, yeah, they're trying. You know, <laughs> again, though, this is, they only got with so much budget. <laughs> well, my favorite effect is what's coming up is when – after he kills Jackie, you know, he's through the woods again with the machete that's stained in blood, and he comes across Dr. Berman walking around with the flashlight trying to look for Todd. And she comes across Terry, and she's like, oh, my God, holy shit, holy shit. And then you cut to Maddie making a phone call trying to get through to Brad, you know, not understanding why she can't get through to him. But then you cut back to fucking Dr. Berman cutting fucking half <laughs> and screaming at the top of her lungs. Top half of her body screaming bloody murder, and then the other half just fucking wriggling around on the other side. Like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> this is perfect. Top half, no, top half, no, top, no, okay, top half screaming, bottom half kicking. So she is screaming and kicking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, but, but then it's uh, <laughs> and it's, it's added so much more, like when. When Todd finds her, though, and picks up oh, the you legs. Oh, put her together? And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the legs, like, you can tell they weigh nothing at this point, you know. And it's like just, you know, it's, it's a pair of pants stuffed with newspaper. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you were the only one that believed me. <laughs> Why? Like, you know, it's just so great. And then yeah, when he knocks just, it over to go talk to the girl in the woods. <laughs> Where's my kitty? Well, there's a bad okay. man running around in these playing woods. Go home and lock the door. Best advice for a fucking movie ever. I yeah yeah um as cheesy as that one scene was, it's like I really really liked it. Like I I don't yeah. know why, but it's just it's one of those things like because I feel like um the ten year olds who are like trying to sneak into getting to watch horror movies are always forgotten. You know, with mm-hmm. the exception of maybe Friday, thir- with the exception of maybe Friday Thirteen Part Five, um, <laughs> but I feel like they're forgotten. And I like I thought this was a, qu- a quick acknowledgement that you know, for those of you watching that that you know you aren't supposed to, go home and lock your door. You know, right. you shouldn't be watching this movie. Don't want anybody in. Don't want any strangers come to your door. You're going to be fine. She's like, okay, I'll do that. 
know, thank you, stranger. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no, no matter what they say, there's a bad person out there, and they want to hurt you. You know, well, at the flip side, again, we're talking 80s, you know, because this, this release was 84, all right? We're talking height of satanic panic, you know, height of strange mm-hmm. danger. Okay. And I thought this was a really good nod to, you know, as, as far as putting that public announcement out there of be safe, you know, and be mindful. Well, it even comes back at the end when Karen's banging on the door and she's like, I can't let anybody in. Like, he told me not to. So I can't let you in. Yeah. Like, I don't know who you are. Like, it was a great PSA, like you had said, of Stranger Danger. Like, you know, just keep the door locked, go to bed. I like, just yeah, don't pay attention to what's going on outside. Kid. You're gonna you're gonna hurt my kitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and like I said, at this point it's Money Shot City, so it's just Terry walking around. At this point, he takes a fucking shower, which you rarely ever see in a horror movie, where the killer's like, you know what, I'm kind of bloody. I'm gonna take a shower, change my clothes. And, and that, that's not that, cranberry that sauce. Thing, that that's a thing. Yeah, yes, it is. He says that's not cranberry sauce, and then he starts to lick. All the, you know, he gets yep. into a habit of licking <laughs> yeah. the blood off of his, you know, victim, the weapons that he used and stuff like that. But in this movie, I wanted to bring up to you is also, I saw a lot more 80s shower action <laughs> than I thought possible. Yeah. You know, a lot of, yeah, yeah. But because uh, we see it later as well of um, early 80s pl- full on plastic massaging heads. You know, with extended noses mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, and I was like, oh, you know, again, time, time capsule is like, oh, this is brand new. You know, I kept. Oh yeah. Again, when we see an, again when we see another uh, shower scene, I was expecting her to actually go down with a shower head, maybe. <laughs> Unfortunately, we did not <laughs> yeah. do that scene. <laughs> no. We all you know, know when that. she's wiping off the fucking Halloween makeup. But she's like, I'm showering. I'm having fun. <laughs> like, yeah. Nope. The standard shower head. Oh. Switching it to five head vibrate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But with, with Terry cleaned up, he goes over to Andrea's apartment to hang out with her. She offers some vodka and tomato juice or tomato juice and vodka. <laughs> Your choice. <laughs> you know, I'll just take tomato juice because nope. I don't drink. Yeah. That's, you know, and she yeah. wants to fuck him and he's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Let's watch what's on TV. <laughs> and of course, you know, because we're talking about 80s horror, they're watching the horror movie because that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. so, they're a, so they're watching a horror movie in a horror movie, you know. Which is um, what you do and, until Julie yeah. comes home with her date, Bill. <laughs> you know, $10. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? $10. Uh, I got it. Don't worry about it, babe. I got you. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm t- ooh, look at don't, that! Don't worry. Coconut liqueur. That's a body liquor. This, this, yeah, this, yeah. This tell, this ten dollar babysit tip is totally paying for pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never had coconut liqueur before. Read the label. Ooh, body liqueur. Not, <laughs> oh, not, not not for minors. It ought to say that on the label. Not for minors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not for children. <laughs> And I love it when you right have up. her cutting when you yeah when you have Julie cutting to putting on the lingerie, and you have the cut of her going oh that's weird I heard a sound I don't know what that is better check on my boyfriend where is he yeah. I'm looking out the door where is he oh hey what are you doing standing outside the door you crazy man 
<laughs> and it's his fucking head dangling from electrical cords. <laughs> best, oh my god, no! Best, best effect scene of the entire movie. His head mm-hmm. just hanging, hanging from menagerie of electrical cords. Oh, but did we mention? Oh, um, she happens to be a mom, and there's a baby in yes, the apartment with a baby. <laughs> yep, she's a single mom. I'm gonna get yeah, you a rich fucking, daddy. I fucking love that line. <laughs> <laughs> because okay, but just because um, this movie had a really weird setup um, of like uh, things of women you're in a tight situation. Okay, Terry and Todd's mom gonna sit there and try and get you know a guy of some kind of station. Okay, and now we have her trying to get a guy of some kind of station because, again, in the 80s, what do you do in this situation? Do you try and get a, do you try and get a career? Do you try and make a better life? No, this movie's saying, no, fuck a guy who has money and he can't marry you. <laughs> yeah. You <know. laughs> don't, don't, you, don't bother, you know, again, we're talking early 80s, again, you know, before the time of the power sh- shoulders and stuff like that, you know, of going out there and you being your own woman, before that, what do you do? You sit there and have to sit there and go and try and find a guy with money. Right. It has no qualms in saying that's what this character wanted to do. Um, but at the same time, you also have Maddie, who's completely fucking off board, where she's sitting on the floor in the kitchen, eating fucking green beans and corn out of the bowl <laughs> before just scrubbing everything clean and vacuuming and sucking down bottles oh, of wine because she doesn't know fuck. what the fuck to do. Man. Oh, man. Oh, God. Okay, because, yeah, she's in full panic mode because she knows that Todd has escaped. All right. And, you know, Terry's out. You know, she knows that Terry's out there with his crew, you know, for some fucking – if reason they're all fucking you know straight out of fucking Jersey, all right. <laughs> but the, you know we're in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. But you know they're all like, hey, hey, oh, yeah, we're gonna find your hey. guy. Don't you worry <laughs> about it. Yeah, yeah, we got this shit. Fuck hey. this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but granted, because the only scene that was actually shot in Jersey was the actual driving scene at the beginning yeah, of the movie. That's it. The rest of the, re- New the rest of the. Yeah, the yeah the rest of this movie was actually filmed in Jacksonville, but for some reason all of his friends are like you know fucking Bronx, New York, for some fucking reason I don't know why, but um <laughs> you know with, with you know with the full fucking eighties you know doo wop doos and shit like that you know, <laughs> but anyway yeah while they're out looking for her you know uh, she's in there drinking. <laughs> she has this one scene of she's in there trying to call Brad, trying to call Brad over and over and over again. <laughs> trying to call Brad, trying to call Brad. I was so fucking sick of this bitch trying to call Brad. Oh, oh my, my God, fucking yeah. God. I wanted this bitch mm-hmm. to fucking die. You know, it, <laughs> yeah. it, like, and like her accent, because her accent was coming across mighty thick, okay? Like as South, like mm-hmm. I was thinking it as South, as South Jersey. Uh, that's just me. Uh, but just because all my family is in Jersey, yeah. Okay, so was it just me, King? Okay, nope, good. definitely not you. 
right. But, you know, she, you know, and especially I've been with them through many, many crisis situations. And the whole, oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, I need you to contact this guy. Oh, oh, the phone will pick up. Operator, I need you to call. I I need an emergency dial. I need an emergency dial. Can you get through to this number? It's like I've been through that, okay, so many fucking times. <laughs> while she's doing, while she's doing that though, dude, it's like she's sitting there and pouring herself a glass of fucking wine. Oh and yeah. And this glass is like hard glass. She will fucking. Yeah, it's like, it's like by the time she's done pouring the glass, it's like, bitch, you might as well just drink it straight from the fucking bottle. It's like she mm-hmm. fills the entire, she fills the entire fucking glass, and there's like barely anything left in the bottle. Like, just where she doesn't even bottle. know that fucking Todd put her to bed at that point, where she's so fucking drunk that <laughs> she doesn't know that Todd just put her to bed. And he's like, Terry, I love you. He's like, Yeah, I love you too. <laughs> you know, but but I love then Karen. The love interest for Terry has a run-in with Todd, where he's like, I'm Todd, and I've never kissed a girl before. So she runs into Artie and Greg, our fucking Judy Shore guys, like, hey, oh, hey, you know, fucking, we'll kick his ass if he gets over here. You know, I ain't even worried about it. I got a baseball bat in the back of my convertible. I'm good. I'm going to go get this motherfucker. Just you watch. I, I, I got this. I got this. Just you watch. Let's go play fucking video and, games until this fucking whole thing blows over. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, because yeah, the other chick, she's, she's down to party. So I, I think I'm going to sit there and do that, and maybe you should come along too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. And, and, and they're playing. <laughs> and they're playing. And I, like, again, this is a weird moment. So it's like, because I was so pissed off because like, they're playing video games. And it's like, they're playing together, but it's a single screen. <laughs> And it's like, no. No, I know. No. <laughs> yeah, it's know. like, you can't. As, I'm sorry, but it's not evolved to the point where you both play at the same time. All right. <laughs> sorry. We're still talking about Atari and we're talking about a ColecoVision. All right. And you can't play at the same time. <laughs> Unless we're talking about combat no. or Zal. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, like, they get done with the video games, and then they have that big scare with Karen and, and uh, Artie, where they're like, oh, you're going to come to this party? Hell yeah, man. Greg Johnson's having a party over there, so we're going to go over there. No, we're going to go play tennis. We're going to go play tennis, because so uh, what we do. Okay. Yeah, and I fucking loved it when we were sitting there, and they cut, they cut over to this, and she's fucking wearing a physical shirt. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. It's, it's the 80s. Oh, let's get physical. Physical. <laughs> I was like, oh, And Andrew's man. like, you know what? I want to fuck this guy, but I want to fuck him here. I want to fuck him on the fucking diving board of the pool. That's yeah. where I want to fuck him. Yeah. That's the perfect yeah. place for us to get our fuck out. Yeah, yeah, because not in the middle of this fucking tennis court. For some reason, I want to do it on a fucking diving board <laughs> in a public pool in the middle of the night. That's what I want to do. <laughs> and I love when Terry shows up and goes, don't do that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? All right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, because we're, okay, because we start to see, have these weird-ass moments of, um, you know, Terry seeing every sex of, I mean, every act of sex as some weird-ass fucked up thing that you're not supposed to do, okay? So, like you said, he yells, don't do that. We have, we have some great cuts. You know, super, yep. super quick cut. Uh, you know, um, water, water bleeds. 
which you know I dig. You know when they're done right, and yeah. they, they, mm-hmm. they they they. They did an okay job with this. You know, I'm not going to say it's the best, but, they, you know, again, they did okay. All right. <clears throat> and then shortly after this, we cut into um, Karen and Terry making out in the apartment. And then Terry – and then this is this is where I'm slightly confused because this is like one of those moments where I'm confused because Terry looked like he was full-on ready to get it in. But Karen, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had to stop himself. And – no, well, he had to stop himself because you know people showed up and stuff like that. But I like th- this is like one of the things I was trying to figure out is was he like is it something where he felt like sex was okay if he felt like the people were pure? That's um, a good point. Like li- yeah, li- like Terry, where he knew Terry hadn't really done anything and she wasn't a slutty chick because he was definitely not involved with the chick you know who majored in partying. Because she definitely right. threw, you know, herself out there. And he was like, you know, let's just hang out and watch the movie. But Terry, it looked like he had this moment where he actually wanted to, you know, actually get down with her. Where we had this awkward moment of him actually – oh, this scene took too fucking long. Of him taking the sofa couches off one by one, you know. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. You know, if I, I, I felt like a like watching a fucking dirty Pepe Le Pew cartoon is like, oh, ho, ho, I am eventually going to violate you as soon as I get off of these <laughs> pillow cushions off of the couch. You know, it's like you have a fucking bedroom there, dude. It's your fucking bedroom, you know. But <laughs> but it's like, you know, again, did he think Terry was pure? So therefore, sex was okay. With him, because that was a major problem I had with this, because it seemed like every time he saw people having sexy, um, you know, slutty sex, he had a problem with right. it. But on the flip side, he had no problem at this moment, possibly making love to Terry. Right, that could be it too. That he had, at that moment he didn't have a problem with Karen, you know, his girlfriend. You know, getting Sorry. it in, but at the yeah, same Karen. time, it, it, yeah, it cuts away where he does, and then we see him and Artie going off into the woods to look for Todd. <clears throat> they find all his weapons, and he's like, "What the what the fuck? I found a machete! Oh my god, over here! I found a machete!" Yeah. You know, Terry, can you yeah, believe this? Yeah, it's a whole fucking bag of weapons. Can you look at this shit? I found like the fucking secret stash in the fucking Jason Friday the 13th game. Can you imagine this shit? Look at this fucking shit. I just found a fucking drop bag of this shit in the middle of the fucking shit. Oh, my God. I'm fucking good. Oh, my God. Oh, but this fucking machete is covered in cranberry sauce. Can you believe this, motherfucker? (laughs) Terry, what are you doing with that fucking fork right there? Oh, my God. It's in my neck. Oh, my God. You're killing me. Oh, my God, Terry. (laughs) Hey, oh, what's That's up? not cranberry I'm sauce, already. <laughs> I'm going like spew, spew, spew all over this fucking motherfucking bridge in the middle of the fucking <laughs> yeah. place. I can't believe I'm fucking dead over here. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm dead. Oh. <laughs> hey, and I felt sorry for this guy because, like, I normally these guys, you, yeah, because normally these guys, you, you know, do the AO, you know, guys aren't the guys who are the sympathetic type, you know, are that are the um, guys who are stuck in the friend zone, you know, because they're always yeah. going to be like, hey, oh, you know, I'm going to punch that skirt, you know? You know, this, no, this guy was stuck in the fucking friend zone, and he was trying to get there, and unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> Karen wasn't letting that happen, 
you know. And he was going to talk to Terry for her. Yeah, you know, he's like, I'll talk to him. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and he was stuck in the fucking friend zone with this shit. You know, and that was the first time I'd ever seen someone of that stereotype, you know, stuck in that kind of situation of being stuck in the friend zone. And what's great is that when Karen finds Terry and he has a machete and he's like, no, this is my brother's machete. He's been killing people all over the place. But... I love you. Yeah, and I love when we we have this weird moment of him, you know, yelling, "I love you," and we see this shift. Okay, and mm-hmm. um, we see this weird, weird fucking shift of his pers- personality, where all of a sudden Harry is completely, completely comfortable in his state of mind, you know, and. Um, because up until then, it's like he was, you know, extremely uptight, extremely, you know, <clears throat> sorry, I had to clear my throat. Um, you know, had lots of friends, you know, and was down and there fuck with him and stuff like that. But we see this mental shift of him, like, all of a sudden, like, weirdly becoming extremely suave in this weird moment of, yeah. I, I found my niche, and I'm really, really <laughs> uncomfortable with it. <laughs> I dig it. <laughs> you know, and revealing himself to be the killer and chasing after Karen from her going from apartment complex to apartment complex, trying to find safety, not trusting Todd, not trusting Terry. Uh, you get that reveal of Julie in the apartment, which I love because it's him pulling Machete out of her chest. It's like you get the oh post-death. My God. Okay, that okay, uh, that one I want to say is like the best fucking effect out of the movie because that was like mm-hmm. one of the that that was literally the only one I could not fucking figure out. And yeah. dude, yep. not like seriously, dude, nice job for fooling me. Just because you know how much I love practical effects, and I oh yeah, you know I can I you know for me at the magic show where I always want to try and figure out how you did the trick and. That particular shot of pulling out of the chest and, like, in my head, I know how it was done, but the fact that it was – everything was so smooth because they do a slow transition of pulling out of the body, working the camera up slow. You're working your way up through the cut, you know, up through the neck, up to the face, and – you see no plaster. You see no putty. You see no nothing. Everything is seamless. Everything is smooth. It's like yeah. the only thing I think is like that's a, the only thing I could think of is like that's a really, really fucking good body cast. Is the only thing I could <laughs> yeah. think of. You know, is that's the only thing I could think of. But at the same time, it's like props to you guys for fucking getting me on that shot. It's like because I like I could not figure it out because. At the same time, it's like I'm saying body cast like with a, a grain of salt because at the same time, judging by the budget of the rest of this movie, you didn't have the budget to do that fucking body cast. No. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for them to do that shot, it's like, wow, great fucking shot, guys. Awesome. <laughs> it was a great way to do it. And then you have the reveal in the bathroom or the sauna of of 
Andrea and Greg laying on top of each other in the sauna. And then you have Terry walking in going, oh, I don't mean to interrupt you guys. It's crazy. You guys are just so weird. <laughs> you know, making a piss. Oh, yeah. you guys still there? Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> it was you guys awesome because again, sex. we see. Yeah, because again, we see this great moment of like just Terry in this new like zone of, you know, mental zone of being completely comfortable with all of this death and still being able to spout all this humor that was going on. That's something that we've never seen. And it's like we see this. You know, development of his character in there of being just again completely comfortable and being in the circle. Yep, I did that. Are you guys okay? Yeah. All right. Cool. Moving on. And you get Maddie finding Brad's body in his office, and she's like, "Oh shit! Like he's dead. I just have to touch his body." <laughs> fucking. Are you okay? Are you okay? Oh no, he's not. Because his fucking hand's missing, and <clears throat> then his head splits open on the fucking desk. Great fucking yeah. split. Yeah, but uh, like on top of that though, it's like unfortunately they took way too long, like focusing on that shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, and like and like the drive-in shot, um, you know <clears> this <throat> shot unfortunately it's like it was too long and you <laughs> kept seeing his eye fucking flicker. <laughs> it's like, yeah. dude, mm-hmm. it's like, dude, did you not see the autopsy of Jane Doe? Take, take some fucking yoga. <laughs> Learn to breathe. Yeah. Focus. Focus, dude. <laughs> but it was the great effect of the, the the head splitting open, and she realizes I have to do what I have to do. Todd's doing this, and I have to fucking take him out. This is the only way that well, I could well, solve all, everything. But, going okay. but Super Rewind, we don't know what she's doing. Okay, sorry. We We really don't know what she's doing. We don't know. Well, well, she wants to end it. She feels yeah. like Todd's doing this. Like yeah. Todd, because yeah. she says that Todd's responsible. Todd did this. Yeah. You know, and that's why yeah. she has to take the gun, and she's going after Todd. Like, yeah. Todd is responsible. I'm going after him. If I kill yeah. Todd, everything's going to be fine. Like, yeah. Everything will be fine if I take him out. Yeah. So you have Karen right. still running around with the baby in the pool, where you have Terry the jumping up and down baby. the... the, the, the Board. Fucking bit. And I I don't know, man. I was personally just like weirdly impressed by how comfortable Terry was on that fucking diving board. It's like the way he was just jumping <laughs> yeah. around all over the fucking place. I was like, man, you have some fucking athletic fucking skills, man. Because me, I would yeah, there and be like, was fine. you know, found, yeah, because me, I would be like, bounce, bounce, accidentally fall in the water. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm too. not, okay. Yeah, because I, I, I just don't have that yeah, I don't have that kind of coordination, but he was just flipping and turning around. She was like, good for you. Meanwhile, she's sitting there running around with the baby because sometimes, sometimes it's like just feet sticking out of a, you know, fucking towel. Oh, great effects there. <laughs> well, Halloween 6 style, she puts him in the fucking bathroom underneath that cabinet, you know, just to protect the baby from what's happening. But then you have the final yeah. confrontation between Terry and Todd in the pool where they're finally fighting yeah. each other, and Karen knows now that Todd's the innocent person. Like, Todd is just innocent. Terry's the killer. So she's trying to help Todd, you know, when he gets put into the pool. And she's like, Todd, I'll help you. I'll get you out of the pool. And she gets him, and it leads to Maddie running in going, oh, shit, that's got to be Todd. And blasting yeah. him in the chest and in the eye. 
going, I ended this. We're good, guys. We can go home. <laughs> you know? and she, no, and we have this uh, scene of her sitting there embracing Todd, you know, going, don't worry. It's going to be only us. It's right. going to be only us. You know, and unfortunately, it's an uncomfortable scene because she, unfortunately, spreads his leg. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to call that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it wasn't done. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm, yeah, all right. You know, and, but, okay, but, okay. Moving on. So, yeah, we go into this long, long scene of her sitting there spouting, spouting, spouting. Longer than it, way longer than it needs to be. All right, about, you know, don't worry, you know, he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. Don't worry, Terry, it's just us. Todd is gone. Which goes into the tagline of the fucking movie. I'm Todd. I'm Todd. I'm Todd. I'm Todd. I'm Todd. I'm Todd. Todd. Maddie's screaming at the top of her lungs, going, oh, my God, I killed the wrong kid. Even though you didn't, she doesn't know that. And it leads her to put the gun up against her own head and blowing her fucking brains out. Happy Thanksgiving next year. 1985 (laughs) is going to be great, guys. (laughs) <laughs> but the great thing is, though, she gets to this point where she starts yelling, she's Todd as well. She starts yelling, yeah. I'm Todd. I'm Todd. Yeah. And, while, and while this is happening, we have a, like a million sirens and lights coming up in the background because Karen ran the fuck off with weird-ass, you know, fucking mannequin baby, you know. <laughs> yeah. so he, you know, she was like, okay, this family's too fucked up for me. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Weirdest fucking Who Thanksgiving ever. I ended up with, I just wanted some turkey. I ended up with a fucking kid, you know. But yeah, <laughs> who, the, you know, who the fuck called the cops? Nobody Who called, called the, the cops? cops? That was my biggest thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobody you called know, the cops. Was it one of the non-responsive uh, neighbors? Of all the people that care not banged on their fucking doors going, help, I'm in fucking danger. You know, would you fucking help me? Nope. It's Thanksgiving, motherfucker. We ain't let nobody in. (laughs) (laughs) But it ends in that great freeze frame that I always love in movies where it's like a freeze frame of Todd leaning up against the wall going, oh, fuck. Like, you know, I'm not the killer. Terry was. But my mother just blew her fucking brains out, too. So I love unhappy endings, like I've always told you. And this was an unhappy ending for the movie, and it works. Right. And as far as the very, very unhappy ending, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, though, as far as, like, I agree with the awesome name, her, sitting there yelling, I'm tired, I'm tired, blowing her brains out. At the same time, though, I want to sit there and re- reiterate against you, though, is maybe it's not a, such an unhappy ending because Terry was shot by mother. Mother blew her own brains out. Todd has no prints on anything. So possibly, possibly it's a happy ending for Todd. For Todd, yes. I mean, but again, it's not a happy ending for Todd either. His brother's dead. His mother's dead too. He has nothing left. So it's like, you, you yeah. know, well, maybe Karen will fucking be like, eh, it's okay, you're cool. <laughs> you know, we got this baby I'll let now. You get it. Yeah, I'll let you get it in. Let's, let's make a family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but it's one of those things where it's like Todd is... <clears throat> Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was, no, no, finish game, please. Well, I was going to say, it, it's one of those endings where it's like, it's not a happy ending for anybody. 
you know, Todd is kind of vindicated in a way because you have Karen being witness to it and vindicating Todd of any wrongdoing. But at the same time, he has no family left. <laughs> They're all dead. <laughs> so You're right. Like, what You're do right. you have yeah. left? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it, yeah. And it's rough. It is a dark ending. Um, But, dude, it's like, seriously, dude, we're talking about HUD a classic. Okay. Movie you got to see. End all be all. Yeah, I got to go with this. All right. If you love 80 slashers, go with this. If you sit there and want to go 80s nostalgia, again, go with this. Um, oh, my King, God, yes. Um, King, seriously, thank you so much for this pick. Um, and actually knocking this off my uh, watch list. And, yeah, guys, if you have not checked out this movie, check it out. It's a fun, fun ride. Well, and speaking of picks, Monkey, next week it is yours. So what do you have for us? Oh, my pick. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Wait, wait.
The goal gets laid, and when the goal gets laid, he's a happy motherfucker, which leads to a better episode, which leads to us getting more <laughs> people listening. So, it's the circle of life, motherfuckers. Let's do this shit. Go to Bonfire B Design and buy some shit. And back to you, King. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Monkey, as always, great episode. I can't wait to see you tomorrow with the Diva for our Thanksgiving Brother. spectacular of food and booze. Absolutely. And um, seriously, King, I'm so looking forward to having you here uh, tomorrow. We're family. We always are. Um, for those of you listening home, remember, tomorrow is a time of family and friends. And thank you for listening. And just remember, spend that time with your family and friends. Time is short. Time is sweet. And we love you all for listening. And Love everyone else who's listening, too. We love you guys. Good night. We love you, listeners. Hail Satan. Hail Odorous. Hail yourselves, motherfuckers. Hail Odorous! Hail Odorous! <laughs>